The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And welcome to another episode of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. I have Simon Clancy here with me. I have Chris Kaufman here with me. But first, we are brought to you by the great folks at AutoNation. Since AutoNation is America's largest automotive retailer, Chances are they have the vehicle you're looking for. Shop for over 100,000 new cars, trucks, vans, and sport utilities. From the luxury of a Mercedes-Benz to that Chevy pickup truck you always wanted. They've got it. AutoNation helps finance over 430,000 people every single year. And you could be next. Get a great rate today. AutoNation strives to make the car buying process quick and easy, but most of all stress-free. In addition to an extensive selection, all pre-owned vehicles go through a rigorous 125-point inspection and come with an everyday low, no-haggle price. One price, no pressure. Guaranteed. Start your search right now at AutoNation.com. And of course, go to that store on 8600 Pines Boulevard, see my friend Aldo Romero, Miguel de Paz, and tell him that three yards per carry sent you. Okay, guys, I wanted to talk about the wildcard games because I found those games really, really compelling. I wanted to get into why... Philip Rivers can actually make a Super Bowl run and why the Dallas Cowboys are secretly the under the radar Super Bowl team in this year's playoffs. It's the Colts, but it's fine. That's pretty good too. But we're not gonna do that. Adam Gase is the new head coach of your New York Jets. Simon, not reaction. My, not my Jets. Not mine either. <laughs> Who's Jets? I mean G-A-S-E, Gase, Gase, Gase. I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm the Adam Gase fan, so I, I think he's going to end up fucking us, and it'll be the most Dolphins thing in history. It'll be but, like Dante Culpepper. Remember when he scored yeah. five touchdowns against us? I mean, it's perpetually like watching Drew Brees every single season, knowing he should be our quarterback, but he's with the Saints. Well, okay. The, I mean, it's not, but you know what I mean. Control he's, yourself. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, it would not surprise me if he doesn't learn from his lessons and wins significantly with the Jets. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. But even I would be so, surprised. It seems too soon. It seems too soon. Yeah, no, it's a good shout, actually. I mean, he is taking Dow Loggins with him, though, so who knows? <laughs> the, uh, and I'm reporting here exclusively that Matt Burke is going over there on a 10-year, $100 million contract. <laughs> let's trade, uh, let's trade Dow Loggins to them for Kenny Loggins. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. The San Francisco Chronicle reporting Kyler Murray will enter the NFL draft. Damn it! I was about to do that right here, like yeah. literally, right now. I mean, I can confirm. Okay, we'll just do it. I can confirm. Just do it. Uh, Adam Schefter. We had that. We were going to reveal that well, on this podcast. I tell you what. We'll just just cut me out. Sorry, I just. Uh... Now it's ruined. God damn it! <laughs> no, 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 it's not ruined because we're not live, are we? No. Ah, uh, well, we might as well be. We should do a live show. <laughs> I, I don't want to leave these people out because we've been on the other end of it uh, of, the, of this kind of thing and it feels kind of crappy. But uh, on his um, on his podcast, uh, the Stick to Football podcast, he actually said the same thing, which was that uh, he's been hearing all week the the texts and the chatter. Uh, Kyler Murray is going to choose football, and it's not going to be the Oklahoma football it's going to be the nfl football and what i had heard from the baseball end of things of all places how did i get baseball sources uh don't ask questions um so from the baseball end of it uh, i'm hearing that uh that kyler murray or that they are all aware that kyler murray is choosing football that um that that's where his heart is and he's going to give it a try and that the nfl teams have essentially made overtures and and promises well we'll call it what it is promises about where he'll go in the draft how much money he'll make and and the fact that he'll be more than able to pay back the uh the a's for their contract um and the money that he owes them so uh so he is he is leaning toward football he's got a he's got a, he's expected to choose an, a different agent i believe than scott boris and um and that agency soon uh i think there are some nc there are probably some N, arcane ncaa rules uh at play here that um that involve inability to have that baseball agent be his football agent otherwise they'll retroactively declare him ineligible from the time he signed with that baseball agent which could have some ramifications i don't know the nc nothing the ncaa that could do to screw over their players their student athletes would ever surprise me so um so he has to uh he has to to go get a new agent and he's expected to do that shortly and he's going to be in the nfl i mean that's the news uh so that's that's uh, really cool um especially since uh, i'm enamored with him yeah but you know what's cooler chris that Adam, Adam Gase, Gase is in the is Adam in the, Gase is now the New York Jets head coach. Give me your initial thoughts, um, and I'll give mine. Well, as Simon was talking about, you know, maybe perhaps Adam Gase can learn his lessons um, from Miami failures, and and just become a better coach. That that's always possible. I just wonder if it's too soon because he left Miami in a in what looked to me like an awful frame of mind an excuse making frame of mind blaming everything under the sun um you know road road woes were be, were because you know we oh we just played good teams or if they weren't a good team you know oh well they're hot at the time or they just fired their coach so they're all fired up you know of course we lost you know that sort of stuff blaming injuries blaming everybody on offense 
almost by name everybody on offense except for the quarterback. Uh, and, and, and and just that excuse making and and that sort of inability to reconcile with his own failures as the the head of the offense is striking to me. And I don't know if you go straight from that into your next gig and having and going into like the honeymoon phase where everybody's you know kind of high on each other and being nice to each other and not being critical of one another. And, um, and then, you know, like he's going to all learn his lesson right away in that kind of circumstance. I, I don't think that's the case. I think he needed a break. I, I think he needed to get busted back down to, uh, to prove himself as an offensive coordinator, work through his failures, work through his weaknesses. Because, you know, these weaknesses and idiosyncrasies as an offensive coordinator started as soon as he parted with Peyton Manning. Uh, he went to Chicago uh, and had Jay Cutler on the quarterback and had a different offense, did not have those three star receivers that, uh, uh, that he had in Denver, didn't have Peyton Manning, didn't have all that stuff. And, and that's when you started to see the things that would become the hallmark of the Adam Gase offense, which is struggles at the beginning of the game to score, not being able to score at the beginning of the game, struggles on, uh, on getting points out of long drives, like for from drives that start at the 20 or the 25 or the 30 uh, on their own field, you know, just, just rank terribly in, uh, in converting those into points. You're talking about a guy who had a huge disparity between his home offense, which was somewhat effective, and his away offense, which was totally, absolutely atrocious and abysmal. And, and these things all started to take root in Chicago and persisted for four consecutive years, you could see these same trends. The third down stuff, you could see them all the way through. Uh, he was always more effective and better ranked against uh, the rest of the league, uh, converting first downs out of first and second down than converting first downs out of third down. Like his third down conversion rankings were always, were always very low. Um, and th th these things persisted for like four consecutive years Never got, never got remedied, never or remediated, never, um, never any self-correction, never any self-scouting, never, any, you know, there was never any change. And I think part of it was because of this, this inability to recognize his own failures, inability to come, you know, come to grips with them and, and look down and, and actually make some change and make the right changes. I don't see that happening. You go straight to a, to a new job. You know, well, he's just going to be like, well, now I got Sam Darnold, you know, so I'll be fine. And yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Apparently well, Peyton Manning see. phoned the Jets on the, uh, last night to, um, uh, to strongly advocate Adam Gase. And, and uh, John Schnatter for uh, media relations, I think. Yeah. Nice. The way <laughs> I see it is like this. Thank God for the New York Jets. Thank God for the Buffalo <laughs> Because we play in a division with two other franchises which are more incompetent than we are. And as mm. soon as the Patriots Saying something. die when Tom Brady goes away, we, we will be playing in one of the worst divisions in the history of pro football. And then we can start winning division championships with nine wins. All right, Simon, tell us about Bet DSI. For about how, I don't know how long we've had Bet DS as a partner, but I've been saying the NFL and NCAA seasons are nearly fit. The NCAA season is now over, it's finished. Trevor Lawrence finished everybody, anyway. 
the NFL season is almost finished. Whoa, 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 so it's time. Phrasing. To... phrasing. You what? I said phrasing. Phrasing. Yeah. Um, the NFL season is almost over. There are only seven games left. Is that right? Seven games left the NC, uh, the NFL season. But take your knowledge to win money to our friends at betdsi.com. They've been celebrating 20 years online and have built an impeccable reputation for great service, payment for your winnings. They have an excellent mobile interface so you can play, win, and get paid anywhere. And to help you get started with some extra bang for your buck, BetDSA are offering double your money on your first deposit. Deposit now, start winning, and get up to $2,500 free. I almost said pounds. That's double your money right from the get-go. And when it comes to sport, BetDSI has every wager you could ever want. If it's happening, they'll put a line on it. The NFL, March Madness, baseball when it comes back, the NBA, UFC, esports, stuff all around the world. You can bet on games whilst you're playing with BetDSI's live betting. Your team isn't doing hot, watch before you play. Now, you can use your promo code or our promo code, YARDS101. Don't stand on the sidelines, be in it to win it and enjoy the games that much more when you bet with betdsi.com. Anyway, let's have a look back at the interviews that we've done over the past, what is it, week, I suppose? So, Eric Bainemi, obviously the Chiefs offensive coordinator, de facto offensive coordinator, although that, that trail has gone very quiet. And actually, Bainemi has gone very quiet with all the interviews. I mean, mm. really, is it now us and the Bengals at the end, two teams left with openings? Um, I know he interviewed in Cincinnati, so there's a possibility there. Obviously, Chris Richard, who feels like the favourite, and we'll obviously talk a bit more about Richard uh, momentarily. Darren Rizzi, who looks like he's interviewing Friday evening. So where are we? This is, what, Wednesday night now? So less than 48 hours, Darren Rizzi will interview. Uh, Dennis Allen, but we don't, we, we don't talk about Dennis Allen because that's not going to happen. Um, and then, I mean, it's not. I mean, if Dennis Allen becomes coach, I'm, I'm becoming a Jets fan. Um, <laughs> and, and, not me, I'm a Cowboys fan. Well, yeah, I mean, I'll probably go support the Packers, actually. But um, anyway, that's by the by. We need a segment on that. Like, who would you defect to? Like, who would, what would, what would I'd your defect, take? I'd defect to Green Bay, definitely. Green Bay. I'll start the five and, yards per carry podcast. Covering. And you're, you're clearly the Cowboys. I'd probably follow Pat Mahomes to, uh, to the Chiefs. Nice, nice. Yeah. Nice. None of us going to the Jets? No, no, no. <laughs> What's a bigger loser than the Dolphins are already? Uh, now sure. that now that Adam Gase is there, um, um, maybe. Hey, and then the other candidate, Don Shula, you got to yeah. that. The other candidate we, that we interviewed is Brian Flores, and in a way, Flores is the most interesting story because our friend Adam Beasley of the Miami Herald has gone out quite strongly on a limb that that Flores is the. the he didn't say Flores is going to be the guy, but the intimation is strong that Flores is. Certainly, the guy that Chris Greer is very, very keen on. Whether that's whether that happens remains to be seen. And Steve Ross, he says. And that Steve, Steve Ross, Ross, yeah, very I mean, keen on him as well. But nobody else seems to. to I mean, Adam is very much out on a limb on that one. Um, Flores is thirty-seven, has worked under Belichick for eleven years. Um, again, de facto defensive coordinator. Realistically, Belichick is a defensive coordinator, and certainly the turnaround in New England over the past eight games defensively, I think it's down, uh, according to people close to the team, it is down to the fact that Belichick has got re-involved very heavily with the day-to-day basis, uh, day-to-day running of, the, of that defense. So um, interesting to see Flores. I don't think it will be Flores, but Adam is very, very adamant that it feels like he's the guy. 
where do we stand, boys? We're looking back, do, do you think that we've interviewed the right people? I mean, it felt like the Jets, had, you know, the, at least the Jets went and interviewed some college coaches, Matt Rule, Matt Campbell potentially was on the list. Um, Green Bay ended up interviewing 12 people uh, before mm-hmm. they hired Matt LaFleur. Um, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury, we can talk about Cliff Kingsbury all day, but it's, you know, you've got to kind of praise the... The Cardinals have gone out on a limb, but at least they've done it in a sort of sexy way. Bruce Arians to Tampa is a really nice, you know, he's got his coat, apparently had Todd Bowles tapped up for the last six weeks. And once Bowles got whacked with the Jets, that the Bowles-Arians redo over in Tampa Bay looks like a really interesting one. How do you think Miami have dealt with this? Do you think that there are hidden candidates out there that we haven't? Do you think that it's just going to be these five and, and that's the way we are moving forwards? And it looks like it's going to come down to one of Rizzi, Richard and, uh, and Flores. Well, uh, let me just say this. I think that the Arians hire in in Tampa, first of all, it came off kind of like a foregone conclusion. Like everybody thought that was going to happen, and it ended up happening. And what I found mm-hmm. really, really interesting is how Bruce Arians is really a big fan of Jameis Winston. So maybe, maybe we're missing something, and he sees something. <laughs> but I really don't get it. But he really loves – that high, you know, he, he loves that job. He wanted that well, job. He lobbied for it. I mean, there's a relationship there, though, isn't there? There's a long-term relationship between the two going back to before the time that Jameis went to FSU. Bruce had a quarterback camp, uh, which Jameis went to, and they became very close there. Um, so I, I, he's always been a strong advocate. Even last year when he was doing commentary, he was a strong advocate in commentary of Jameis and the fact that he can be turned around. And now he's got the opportunity to do it. Age 66, it'll be fascinating to see. Well, that's really- there's also a relationship between Bruce Arians and Jason Light, which I've mentioned before, because Jason mm-hmm. Light worked in Arizona, and they do have a they do have a strong relationship, and that's that's been cited commonly as one of the reasons that this is happening. I only heard that Bruce Arians was interested in the Cleveland job because I think that's some sort of lifelong dream of his or something like that. Maybe he grew up a Cleveland fan. I don't know, but um, but the Tampa job kind of came up and I was like, what? He would really go there. But then they started, you know, talking about his relationship with Jason light and with, and with Jameis Winston and it started to make sense. And already, I mean, look at Simon, we were commenting, look how fast he's put together his staff already. Mm, I mean, the guy's guy's moving lightning quick. (laughs) Yeah. What I had heard about Bruce Arians was that he had made it known to many teams. And I don't know if the dolphins were one of them, but he had zero interest in a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback. Mm. He wanted something established, and the guy that he wanted evidently was Jameis Winston, and he zeroed in on him. And I guess I guess it's a good hire, man. I think Bruce, Bruce Arians is a hell of a coach. Well, you gonna- and I will say this year, Jameis was maybe a little bit better than people think. I mean, I live mm-hmm. in Tampa, obviously. So, um, yeah, he was a little bit better than, than people thought. He's one of those guys – he was one of those guys this year where his – you know, his – take it or leave it, this ESPN QBR is going to be much higher than the passer rating as far as the rankings are concerned. He, he was doing better situationally than he was, you know, in the pure, in the pure stats uh, department. So let's go to the Dolphins. Yeah, Where that's do we right. Feel? Where do we feel? I wish we had more, I wish we had more experience among the, the group, um, the group that we did interview. Uh, the most experienced guys that we interviewed, if you look at the four outside 
outside guys. Eric Bieniemy has been the offensive coordinator of Kansas City one year, and obviously he doesn't call plays. Uh, Chris Richard is and Dennis Allen are the most experienced among them, uh, having been offensive or defensive coordinators for a longer period of time. But yet, even so, Chris Richard is, was a defensive coordinator for three years in Seattle and then sort of a pseudo-defensive coordinator guy, D- DB's coach who calls plays uh, in Dallas this year for a fourth year. And Dennis Allen, of course, was just an absolutely putrid head coach in, uh, in, in Oakland. And, so, and, then, and then you have Brian Flores, who only spent this year. He's not a defensive coordinator. He's not even a pseudo-defensive coordinator. He does call plays, but, like, I mean, here's the thing about Brian Flores, and, and which has me – and this is a fact, a fact finding mission that we should go on ourselves and maybe find out about. But, you know, when, when Matt Patricia left, uh, they didn't promote him. They didn't promote Brian Flores to defensive coordinator. In fact, 12 hours after the Super Bowl, the speculation was that, or, or the reports were outright that Greg Schiano was going to join the staff as the defensive coordinator. And then Greg Schiano kind of pulled a head fake and said, no, nah, I'm going to stay at Ohio State after all. Um, I think he might have thought he could be you know, Urban Meyer's successor. But um, instead of promoting Brian Flores to defensive coordinator, they kept that position open and said, well, Brian Flores is still just our linebackers coach. He's just going to call the plays. So it makes me even wonder, like, you know, because now Schiano has famously left Ohio State in the last couple of days for NFL opportunities and, uh, and a lot of speculation that he could go to New England. I'm, I'm wondering if Brian Flores is not a head coach next year, is he even going to be the defensive coordinator in New England? Yeah. You know, that's, that's the question I have. Let me tell you what, what really scares the hell out of me about Brian Flores. I saw a video of his where he was speaking to a college somewhere in New York and he was telling them about his life and yeah, it's compelling, but he, basically boiled down his entire resume to this coming out of college. He was hired by the new England Patriots and worked in one way or the other inside the organization for his entire life. It's the only job he's ever held in football is the new England Patriots. Now, if you ask me, I think that what you're doing right there, if you hire him is that you're basically building the next stubborn and obtuse NFL head coach that is surely to be fired in two or three years because he can't get his own way or build the same quote unquote Patriot way. And I'm pretty skeptical of what is the Patriot way because let's be real. The Patriot way is really a hall of fame quarterback who could be one of the greatest of all time. So I think he's a terrible candidate. That's really, really light on credentials and it scares me half to death that to hear these reports by Adam Beasley saying that Chris Greer is enamored with him and that Stephen Ross really likes him. Like why, what is there to like? I've got a friend who's a big time Patriots fan in the way that we are big time Dolphins fans and has been for a very long time. And whilst he says that Flores is a good guy and an interesting guy and a guy that sort of, you know, is not a rah-rah guy, but he says it's, uh, despite his experience in the Patriots, he says it's way too soon him to be a head coach he doesn't have the experience overall in terms of leading men and you know by enemy the work that, you know he's been a coach for 16 years he's been the position coach with adrian peterson and obviously does all the installs through the week is the voice in the air of patrick mahomes on game day um all those things but 
he feels like more of a leader than mm. Flores is in terms of what his role yeah. has been both with the Vikings and with the Chiefs. It just feels like Flores is kind of not an afterthought because that's unfair, but he, he's certainly not. He feels like just a guy. Do you know, it feels like we'd hire, be hiring a linebackers coach as head yeah. coach. Well, you know, I, and still, I hate to. I hate to get stuck on minor details, or I don't think they're minor details at all, but Biennemi is the offensive coordinator. I mean, he was when, – when Nagy left for Chicago, they promoted Biennemi to offensive coordinator, okay? And when Matt Patricia left New England, they did not promote Brian Flores to defensive coordinator. So we're sitting here talking about whether Brian Flores is ready to become the head coach of the Miami Dolphins – one year ago, his own bosses felt he was not ready to become the defensive coordinator of the New England Patriots. That is a fact, okay? That's not, that's not to be argued about. Uh, and, and so I, I want you're, you're going to have to answer that. And we had a similar sort of discussion about Chris Richard, which, Simon, I know you've got stuff on um, to, to drop. Uh, and and it's it's one of those things. What you don't know can kill you, so you, you've got to know why that is, and uh, and it better be a very you know it better be a, a satisfactory answer. Yeah, well, Simon's going to have all that stuff on Chris Richard after the break, but let me just say this about Brian Flores: uh, every time that we have one of these coaching candidates come up, I you do a deep dive and look for every interview that you can find of his. And if Chris Richard, and spoiler alert, if he inspires confidence, Brian Flores spy, inspires, I would say, a coma. Because he is as soft-spoken and dull as anybody you can ever find anywhere. He reminds me of a Joe Philbin, to be honest with you. This, this is a guy that really, really needs some time in front of the media and maybe some time on the sideline because – as I understand it, for eight of the 11 years that he's been with the New England Patriots, he was not assigned to sideline duty either. He was in the booth. And if not in the booth, back at the facility. So this is a guy that's very light on credentials, and I am actually shocked and a little bit scared at the fact that he was the first interview to begin with, but also these Adam Beasley reports, because I know that Adam Beasley's not going off half-cocked, so... He has no, no, something. No. He has it something. feels like it feels like there are three candidates in play, and the Dolphins are going to choose the two wrong ones, and the the right one mm. is going to be the guy they don't pick, which would be astounding. Well, I, I hope but, not. But unsurprising. But yeah, I, I hope not. But I, I will say this about the field: like we can complain about the fleet, the field, but really all it takes is one, right? So, um, the one you get. And, you know, hopefully the one that we get is the right one. And I, I, I do say, you know, listen, I like, I like Brian Flores' personality from what I've seen. I've seen him speak. I've seen him, um, you know, speak to a college. I've seen him. Th there was an award ceremony that was uh, that a YMCA-oriented uh, award ceremony. I, I thought, I, you know, I damn near teared up uh, in that one, hearing him talk about his life story and, and stuff. He's, a, he's an interesting guy, and he doesn't have – that Patriots stink about him that, that, you know, too many of these coaches come off with in terms of the arrogance and the, um, and you know, the, the overconfidence and, 
and ego. He doesn't really have that. I don't sense that on him at all. I think that he would be a different personality from the Patriots, uh, from the normal you know guys that come off the Patriots tree that everybody says are, are not going to succeed. Um, the question I have is, listen, I, he's been there for 15 years, and that's great, and he's worked in every aspect of the organization. That's really intriguing, too. Uh, the question I have, though, is, He's been a coordinator. Oh, wait, no, he hasn't. He hasn't even been a coordinator for one year. How is he actually qualified from a coaching standpoint to go ahead and do this? Is he qualified to manage a staff? Is he qualified? You know, does he, you know, how well, how well does he know what he's talking about on the field and what he needs to see as he builds this organization from the ground up? It's, it's a big question. I I think, you know, um, Simon, your friend, you know, who's a Patriots fan uh, and, and says and suggests that he's not ready yet. I mean, your friend has to be right on when you consider that the Patriots themselves would say he's not ready yet, or, or at least yeah. they did a year ago. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think his qualification is that, he, that he's been around a team that has been winning championships and he gets to wear New England Patriots gear every single week. When you look at it, you look at what he's done, though. He spent four seasons as a scout, three seasons with special teams, one season mm-hmm. as an offensive assistant, and the past seven seasons as a safeties and linebacker coach. Obviously, he interviewed for the Cardinals head coaching job, which went to Steve Wilkes last year. But it just doesn't feel like the right hire. It does not. Like, it's, it's really it's – it's, it's even an odd interview, if, if you ask me. Now, Eric Bieniemy, I find really, really interesting because it's gone really, really quiet. He did not get a second interview with the Jets. He hasn't had a second interview with anybody else, really. And they had and the and the and the Chiefs had three days off this week. So he had an opportunity to mm. interview with somebody else. The trail has gone really, really quiet with Eric Bienemy. Do you suspect well, I, that something's I really betting? I really think it, it could just be, though, because they're getting ready for a game. I mean, we got four guys, four outside guys that we've interviewed. They're all getting ready for games this weekend. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just cold because of that. But I will say that, you know, when we see the Vegas lines, the Vegas lines are favoring um, John Harbaugh, who we haven't talked about really yet, uh, as well as Chris Richard. And then the guys really pulling up the trail are Eric Bieniemy and um, and Brian Flores with the longest odds at ten to one. Um, so I, I find that interesting. Yeah, is there anybody that is still out there that we haven't interviewed that you would want interviewed, Simon? Matt Rule, the Baylor coach who almost got the Jets job, um, and then inexplicably. When they decided to hire him, they told him that they wouldn't let him put a staff together and the staff would be put together by Scott McCagall and, and um, Brian Heimerdinger. I mean, ludicrous on the Jets' part. But, what, I mean, to me, Matt Rule is the number What a joke of a way to I lose know. a coach. To me, Matt Rule is the number, was the number one kind of, you could say, like Nick, you know, Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney. You know, mm-hmm. that's not realistic. I think, to me, Matt Rule was the number, for me, was the number one realistic coaching hire that was out there this offseason in terms of, you know, you look at people, you know, I've tweeted that a few times to people that, you know, who didn't know a lot about him were like, dude, he's like 13 and 26 or whatever. Well, you know, you have to look at the job that he did at Temple, uh, turning that uh, turning that school around. And then the job that he's done at Baylor is absolutely astonishing, given the position that Baylor was in, yeah. in terms of restriction of scholarships, um, the aftermath of the, the horrendous situation that happened under Art Browse in terms of the, the, the rape situation and the sexual misconduct situation. 
um, not only on the field, but off, more importantly, really turning that that school round off the uh, on uh, off the field. But on the field, they ended up going seven and six this year, won a bowl game, um, and he's just been astonishing for for Baylor again. Like Flores, in a way, he's coached all three sides of the ball. I interviewed him for the magazine um, in the early summer, uh, and I interviewed him the day after interviewing Lincoln Riley and. I mean, he talks about wanting to be an NFL head coach at some point down the line, but just a really, really interesting listen, an interesting interview, a kind of commanding guy. Um, Riley was the same. I mean, Riley didn't speak to me like he was a 34-year-old. It was, you know, it was an interesting conversation. But for me, Rule was the is the guy. And I'm surprised that, you know, we haven't had a conversation with him. But, you know, it, it, like I said, it feels like it went down to three guys. And it almost feels like, I don't know, uh, I mean, it's, I'm just repeating what I said ten minutes ago. Really, it, it, it feels like there's, there's a to me there's an obvious candidate out there, and we'll end up choosing one of the other two. But we shall see. So coming up, we shall dig deep into the candidate that I think we now think that we should be hiring. So um, that should be, I think, Chris Richard. I don't think we're giving too many secrets away, but we will be giving some secrets away um, because we've done some digging, done our own due diligence and found out some bits and bobs that I think you'll find intriguing about Rashad. And we'll find out that out after this. Tuesday, January 15th, Miami Heat Beat is hosting another watch party poolside at Duffy's in North Miami. Come out and watch with us as the Miami Heat take on the Milwaukee Bucks at 8 p.m. There's going to be games, drink specials, and you'll even have a chance to win Heat Beat's newly released Justice Better t-shirt. Plus, someday, you'll be able to tell your grandkids that you were there when Five Reasons finally broke their watch party curse. Okay, fine. I'm not making any promises, but we're 0-8 right now in this f***ing losing streak's gotta end at some point, right? So come on down and hang out with some of your favorite Heat Beat personalities, as well as other members of 5 Reason Sports. That's Tuesday, January 15th, poolside at Duffy's, 3969 Northeast 163rd Street, North Miami Beach. Tip-off is at 8 p.m., Hey, everybody, Seth Levitt and OJ McDuffie of The Fish Tank here, but we're not diving in with a great story right now. Instead, we want to tell you about an incredibly fun upcoming charity event benefiting the Jason Taylor Foundation. That's right, Big Seth, Wiffle Blast. Man, I can't wait. I know you're fired up, Juice. The third annual Wiffle Blast presented by Funky Buddha Brewery and Sports Chiropractic and Natural Health Solutions will take place on Saturday, January 19th at Pine Trails Park in Parkland. Man, you guys do a great job with this event. I played last year with my son and a couple friends, and we really had a blast from the competition to the home run derby to the kids zone it was just a perfect day from start to finish do i still have time to get my team in yeah we got you juice we still have room for a few more teams as well and since the five reasons sports network is a media partner for the event the foundation is offering 100 off the cost of a team if you use they the have code. a team yeah they have a team ethan and those guys i mean there's some studs on that i can't roster. wait to play them we'll put you guys in the same division All right, that's what's up so we're gonna put five reasons and juice in the same division and if you sign up now you can be in that division as well and get a hundred dollars 
$5 off the cost of a team if you use the code five reasons. That's the number five reasons. And the best part of it all, OJ, is that your donation will help support children battling cancer as well as pediatric emergencies. Yeah, you know, that's what matters most. Absolutely it is. For more information, visit jasontaylorfoundation.org or call 954-424-0799. Ethan, get that arm warmed up. And we're back, and welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. Of course, we have Chris Kaufman here, Simon Clancy, I'm Alfredo Artiaga. And there's kind of a bit of news, because there's a video rolling around there of new Arizona Cardinals head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, talking about Kyler Murray. Chris, thoughts? There's a video out there of, uh, of Cliff Kingsbury, who just got the Arizona head, Cardinal, or head coach job. Uh, talking about Kyler Murray, saying that he's a freak. He would take him first overall in the NFL draft if he could. Well, now he has the first overall pick in the NFL draft. And Kyler Murray has just uh, said, screw you, baseball. I'm going to be a football player. And he is, or at least these are the reports. This is, this is what we're saying. This is what Matt Miller um, uh, on his podcast is saying. This is what uh, the San Francisco Chronicle is saying as well that he is going to go to go to football. So now it's time to put your money where your mouth is. But the question that that leads me with or leaves me with is if the Arizona Cardinals do entertain this possibility, um, does that put Josh Rosen up for sale? And should the Miami Dolphins be interested? I would say absolutely. But it's also a depreciating asset because if they take Kyler Murray first overall, they really can't demand much for Josh Rosen. Because now they're going to have 30% off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You got to, you got to sell cheap buddy. And it could be a second round pick or it could be two second round picks. You know, if you really want to juice the pot, but a first mm-hmm. round pick, I don't think so. Cause then you just stare them down and you say, now you have a guy that's going to be really upset. They just took mm-hmm. Kyler Murray first overall. And you just invested a first round pick the prior year and you fired a coach and you hired one to basically whisper to the new one, which is Josh Rosen. And now you're going to put him up on the block. So he could come really, really cheap. So that's something that they should investigate. What if Cliff Cliff Kingsbury got the job in large part because he was like, this is what I can do with Kyler Murray. That, that, that would be interesting. That would also make Josh Rosen pretty cheap because that means that they just got to clear him the hell out of there. But there's no quarterbacks in this draft. There's Dwayne Haskins, and and we have our thoughts about him. But uh, but that's basically it. And and Drew Locke, I think none of us really like in the first round, but maybe the NFL does. Who knows? But this is this is obviously a quarterback bereft class. But the demand for quarterbacks never goes down, right? The demand is still out there. So if there's no quarterbacks in this in this class, um, and you say like you know everybody's just going to wait it out and and press the Cardinals hard on this Rosen thing. Well, what if these teams that need a quarterback really start competing with each other and saying, Hey, uh, you know, now all of a sudden Josh Rosen's going to be available to us and, um, and we don't have a quarterback and we can't get one, you know? Uh, so maybe we are going to start outbidding each other and trying to get Josh Rosen. Well, that's, that's going to make for some pretty intriguing couple of months really leading up will. to after in April. But what's also intriguing is Chris Richard, who has emerged, I would say, as the leader in the clubhouse, maybe. Adam, Our Adam, clubhouse. I know that Adam Beasley disagrees, but we all kind of agree that 
he's probably the best candidate that's left over. And Simon seems to have some news. Remember last week on the pod, we talked about how Simon was going to dig deep into why Chris Richard was fired as defensive coordinator in Seattle and that that's something that needed to be answered to. So, Simon, what did you find out? So I spoke to Cliff Averill, the Seahawks uh, defensive end who won a Super Bowl with Chris Richard. Chris was his uh, defensive coordinator. Um, and uh, I know Cliff a little bit, as I explained last week. Uh, and essentially, Averill said that, you know, uh, I mean, he, he talked, uh, we had some back and forth, uh, and he talked about, you know, what a great defensive coordinator he was, what a great position coach he'd been, coaching the Legion of Boom. Uh, since 2011, and obviously they drafted Brandon Browner and Richard Sherman that year and had drafted uh, the two safeties um, the season before. So both of those guys were were rookies the season, so second-year guys when, when he took over and turned them into, I suppose, generationally the best position unit in the in a generation, I suppose. I mean, if you, you know, the most iconic, if you talk about yeah. a standout, you know, position in the NFL. You talk about the Legion of Boom as a, you know, a unit that certainly helped carry Seattle to a Super Bowl. Um, and he said, you know, he, he played at a high level in, the, in college. He played in the pros uh, for a little while. So he understands players and understands what it takes to play at this level. He said players respect that. He has huge energy and knows what he's talking about. He can get the best out of you by how he communicates and knowledge for the game. Um, players around the league talk, you know, Seattle players, Dallas players talk about a guy when he stands out. And he said that this is what happens with, you know, there, there are players out there who will actively want to play for Rashad because they know, you know, what he brings to the table and not just guys that have played under him. Um, I strongly believe, as do others, that he'll become a great head coach soon uh, and will do a, a, a fantastic job in the right situation. I know so many guys that would love to play for him. We had a bit of back and forth. You know, that's fine. It's, it's not, you know, it's not earth shattering. Uh, and we talked a, a, a little bit more. I, I, I really dug down into why he left Seattle because that's really the biggest question that everybody has. Obviously, you know, was the position coach, moved up to defensive coordinator, had a, had a couple of strong seasons. Then the team ended up sort of 13th. Overall, the league fell away a little bit. And, and it, it, in January of 2018, he was let go by the Seahawks. And, Nobody could really put a thing, you know, in, in none of the Seattle newspapers. There was no information out there as to where he left. What what happened? What went wrong? Um, and it felt like there were, there was a big falling out between between Pete Carroll and Chris Richard, but nobody really knew. But but Avril's taking it was that um, you know, and, and this is verbatim. I, I, it wasn't. I, I'm certain it wasn't them clashing. It was essentially down to Chris wanting to do his own thing. He had been with Pete Carroll since college at USC. Um, and then he became a coach with him in college, as I said, moved up the ranks in Seattle under Carroll, was there as the, the defensive backs coordinator, was there then as the defensive coordinator. And both believed that it was time for him to spread his wings and go out and do something different and try and get a head coaching job that way. Um, and I think the intimation really is that... Um, you know, without wanting to break uh, Cliff's trust, I think that it feels to me as though this was a thing that they both decided upon. It wasn't just for Charles. I think it was that they both decided this would be the best. And I also think the feeling is that Chris Richard is almost like a son to Pete Carroll in a way. And and I think that they just felt that for Chris's own development, perhaps, that it was best to move on and 
do something away from the, you know, away from having dad and in inverted commas, having his hand over his shoulder the whole time, go to another team, go into a different system, go and work under a different head coach and see if you have the same results. And if you do, which he clearly has done because that Dallas defense is, has been outstanding, you know, you are going to, you're going to kind of take another step forward. So uh, to me, you know, Cliff Oval was very, very, adamant that there wasn't a falling out but there was just a you know what to move forward sometimes you've got to take a sideways step sometimes you've got to take the the covers off you've got to get out of your comfort zone and go out and sprout your own wings forge your own path um and that's really what happened and it certainly wasn't an argument it certainly wasn't a clash of personalities it certainly wasn't a breakdown in their relationship it was that you know to succeed more to succeed further you now need to go and you know leave the house as it were go and find work somewhere else and continue your development so yeah which is an interesting take because you know we've not heard that written or said anywhere yeah two two quick things about that one is that uh i think it's worth noting that i believe at the time that he left he had been with pete carroll the longest of anybody Mm. on the staff he's the longest tenured staff member yeah yeah, he was the longest tenured staff member. So he was the eldest, you know, staff member as far as being with Carol. So if if anybody were in line to, you know, hey, you know, time to kick off and go spread your wings, kid, um, then it's your longest tenured staff member. And so I, you know, I think that that's, that's one thing to consider. Um, it was something that I worried about. You know, what you don't, as I said, what you don't know can kill you. And, um, and so you're hearing that, there, there was a split up and nobody knows why. And, uh, and absolutely everybody's like, I guess a difference in philosophies. There was, there were articles at the time that are articles that we've read and, um, that have been cited. And I, I wish I could remember who wrote them, uh, focusing on how it might've been philosophical because he blitzed too much or something like that. And then they, from a Seattle times article. Yeah. 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 Seattle times, uh, wrote that and, um, talked about how he blitzed too much and, uh, and, the blitzing too much. I, I remember reading this, and and it, was, it did not it did not pass the smell test because you know the blitzing the amount of blitzing that they did was not unusual, uh, and nor was it a lot. Uh, so it was it was just it was just very bizarre. And all the players, it wasn't that the players were being cryptic about it necessarily. It was just that they were like, I don't know, like, and I guess maybe philosophical differences. I don't know. Um, but there's they never said there was any beef between the two guys ever. And the reason that this is really interesting to me, the fact that there's, there's still tight despite this split up is because Chris Greer, while he has not uh, actually uh, scouted uh, for Bill Belichick um, with the new England Patriots, because he left for Miami the year Belichick arrived. um, he, He did scout for three years under Pete Carroll when Pete Carroll was the head coach of the new England Patriots. And he does commonly cite his relationship with Pete Carroll and the things that he's learned with learned from Pete Carroll. And if Carroll does think of Chris Richard as like a son and he does still have a great relationship with him and he thinks very highly of him and he, then maybe he's been in Chris Greer's ear a little bit. And that's why Richard is here. Maybe that's why he's on this interview list. Maybe that's why we were able to reveal uh, on on Twitter that uh, that 
that you know Chris Richard is expecting to have a second interview with the Miami Dolphins, uh, you know, playoff schedule permitting. You know, maybe that's why. Maybe that's it. And and so while everybody, while while some of us are talking about the relationship and the shared roots between uh, Chris Greer and Brian Flores because of the Patriots, maybe the shared roots we should we need to be talking about are with Chris Richard and Pete Carroll. Now, let me say this. While Darren Rizzi, and he's, he is still a candidate, he will be interviewed on Friday. I, I believe Friday night he will have dinner with Stephen Ross and Chris Greer. While Darren Rizzi has been endorsed by pretty much everybody from Abraham Lincoln to <laughs> Vince Lombardi, if you go on Twitter, all you have to do is search Chris Richard, Dallas Cowboys, and there are threads that reach into the thousands. And this is not an exaggeration. It's in the thousands. And this is a team that is playing in the divisional round of the playoffs against the Los Angeles Rams. And spoiler alert, I think they're going to beat the Rams this Saturday night. And these fans of the Dallas Cowboys who are playing, and you would think, should be pretty happy with their head coach that got them into the second round of the playoffs and in a position to maybe make the NFC Championship game, are openly talking about how Jerry Jones can finagle the situation and fire Jason Garrett and install Chris Richard as the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys to not lose him. So he's obviously made a lot of friends, and there is the sentiment, and I would say the sentiment in Dallas is that he turned that team around. Rod Marinelli is suggesting that he might just he might step down and retire just so that they could keep so that they could give him the official promotion up the defensive coordinator uh, Chris Richard being um, up the defensive coordinator because right now he's sort of a DB coach and he calls all the plays he's suggest evidently he's suggesting that he might step down uh, just to or I don't know if he's suggesting he'll retire but he's suggesting he might step down just to try and keep Chris Richard. Yeah. I mean, that's how much everybody loves this guy. Yes. And, and think, it's easy to see. Uh, I, think it's got to be a, I think there's got to be a strong conversation that if the Cowboys get blown out by the Rams at the weekend, that they could fire Jason Garrett and install Chris Richard as their head coach. I don't think that's beyond the realm of possibility. Not, not beyond the realm at all. No, it's not. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's actually pretty possible. If you look at the sentiment, going around. Although Jerry Jones did say something to that effect this week. He said that he considered Jason Garrett a young coach that's still in development that has had success. So that didn't sound like a guy that's ready to part ways with Jason Garrett on Mm -hmm. Saturday if they lose. So I don't know about that. But yeah. I mean, it feels it just feels like a a lot of people trying to talk up, you know, Chris Richard staying in Dallas because they've got obviously their own self-interest, which is that they don't want to lose a really, really good coach. And I get that. Well, I mean, would you? He, he coaches the Legion of Boom, like, and and doesn't you know get probably doesn't get enough credit for for that, like being the DB coach that uh, that coached them, and then uh, being defensive coordinator for them. Um, and then he goes to Ga- Dallas, and immediately their secondary is just amazing. Yes, um, and, and, and Barry that's, Jones becomes one of the best defensive backs in all of football. And you, yeah. you'd want to keep him too. <laughs> yeah, uh, and also the development of those young corners, Chidobi Awuzie and uh, the, the kid from Michigan, um, mm-hmm. who are, you know, especially Awuzie, who's played pretty well this season. Safety has played well. 
Um, yeah. And as you just mentioned, Byron Jones, arguably the, one of the top three or four corners in the NFL this season, having, you know, he's, he's always been a good player, but this season he's elevated his game to an elite level. And that can't be a coincidence. You know, generally look at that defense. He made the decision to jettison Sean Lee um, and play Van Der Esch and, and Jane Smith essentially most of the time. Lee got injured, but obviously, you know, he's back healthy now and is barely playing because those two guys have been playing absolutely lights out. That front, mm. that front four, led by Demarcus Lawrence, who, you know, is arguably the best all-round defensive end in the game in terms of his ability to, to get to the, I don't know, what's it, 14 sacks this season, did he? But also, he plays the run as well as he gets after the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, interior guys have played well. You know, Xavier, uh, um, got Xavier Woods playing well on the back end. You know, it's, um, I don't, it's not a coincidence. You know, it's not that, that they're playing really, really well. And, you know, for all their skill position players with Dak and Zeke and, you know, um, Amari Cooper and, and the like. It's that defense that has, you know, has kept them in games over and over and over again this season. You know, because their ability. You know, look at the look at the way they played the Saints a few weeks back. I mean, the, the Saints were scoreless at halftime. It was the first time in about forty games the Saints mm. have been scoreless at halftime. This is the New Orleans Saints who beat the Eagles, one of the hottest teams in the NFL, by like fifty-two-seven or something a few weeks previously. I mean, come on, there's a, there's a reason Dallas is playing really well. And by the way, you know, Chris Richard's quarterback at, uh, at Seattle from 2011 is a guy called Russell Wilson. Who's the Russell Wilson clone who's just entering the NFL draft, by the way? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. hello, Kyler Murray. So, <laughs> we started, man. you know, how badly <laughs> yeah. can we fuck this up? I think that this is, this is one of those one of those instances where it's just so obvious, like he's so mm-hmm. obviously the best candidate right now, at least think about what you have here. You have a guy who's a defensive back at heart, who that's where his expertise lies. And you get to hand him Xavier Howard, Minka Fitzpatrick and Rashad Jones. Mm-hmm. And you may say, okay, Rashad Jones is old. Well, he's only 30, he's 30 years old. So he can play another three or four effective NFL years, which is usually, you know, the lifespan of most coaches now in the NFL. So you get to hand him that to start his coaching tenure. That's sexy enough. And we were talking about last week, like, if if they're a sexy hire, I think this is the sexy hire. You get to hand him pretty good defensive back talent. So, I don't know. Uh, You watch his videos, and it's hard to glean a lot from his videos on YouTube, but it's obvious he's a really good communicator. You watch his interviews, and he has no he has no vocal crutches, so he's going to be really really good with the media. That's obvious. He's going to be a good talker, good communicator with the players. So I don't know. He's he's a lot in that mold of I don't know who who's a com, a comparison to him. Maybe maybe even a John Harbaugh, who's a pretty good communicator himself. Maybe a Mike Tomlin. I don't know. It just seems like so obvious that we're probably going to screw this up somehow. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what else I think, you know, and this is obviously not going to play into it, but I thought it was a bad look for the NFL that they fired five minority coaches on the mm-hmm. Monday after the, 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 the league regular season ended. That, that wasn't a good look. You know, Steve Wills getting canned after a year, especially, wasn't a good look for the NFL. Now, the Dolphins, it looks like, are down to three guys, which are Brian Flores, a Honduran, black guy of Honduran descent, Chris Richard, black guy, Darren Rizzi, white special teams coordinator. 
if they give it to Rizzi, <laughs> do you know, I, I, you know, yeah. it shouldn't come into it, but it's just, you know, and look, Gates is white, Cliff Kingsbury is white, Bruce Arians is white, it, you know, <sighs> Big Fangio is white, <sighs> Freddie Kitchens is white. Well, Big uh, Fangio's like kind of orange. <laughs> he's great but, you, know, you, you know what I'm saying I will say, I will just, say this, I, will say this. I was trying to research this and I couldn't find it but I'm pretty certain that if they hire Chris Richard or Eric Bieniemy or Brian Flores for that matter although if they hire Brian Flores I'm going to throw up but if they hire Chris Richard or Eric Bieniemy the Miami Dolphins will have the first all black brain trust Ooh. in NFL history I couldn't find another one I searched long and hard and I couldn't find another one. If somebody, one of our listeners, can find another general manager, head coach combination, then I'll, I'll appreciate it. You can send it right to our Three Yards Per Carry Twitter account, and I'll look it up. But I'm pretty certain that that would be the first. It's definitely the only one in the NFL because Chris Greer right now is the only general black general manager in football once Ozzie Newsom retired. Yeah, Reggie McKenzie got signed. In a month or so. I always dismiss it whenever I hear it, but I keep hearing it that, that, you know, there is an effort. There is an effort being made there on the Miami Dolphins part to, to pry him out, to, uh, to pick at the Gordian knot in, uh, in Baltimore with John Harbaugh and, uh, and the Baltimore, uh, you know, executives uh, to try and uh, pry him away from there. And I think that that's in the, I, that's happening. I don't, I don't take it seriously because I will believe that John Harbaugh is serious about Miami when he actually, you know, signs and becomes a Miami Dolphin and puts on the, the hat and the, and the the gear and signs a contract because I think he's he's using the Dolphins to try and get a better contract. But if it does happen, then I won't be able to sit here and be like, "Whoa, that came out of left field." Uh, field. I'll have to acknowledge that I heard it about half a dozen times and I ignored it. <laughs> you, and I think we all. Do you know what the most Dolphins thing would be? Is that we give up the 13th overall pick for John Harbaugh and then Kyler Murray falls to 13. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, you know, that, 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 that's going to happen, isn't it? Let's be realistic. Yeah. I mean, nobody will be surprised. I guess I can break off some, some news. And, uh, Let's end this on this terrible is not, note. Yeah, this is not hard, hard news, but it was suggested to me that there is no chance in hell that they would trade that first-round pick this year. Mm. It's actually I mean, look, thank, thank for something. Thank God. I mean, I, um, think, I think it's interesting to look at, you know, look at the record of Warren and Gaze over the last three seasons. You know, mm-hmm. John Harbour is 27-21 and 21 with one playoff loss. Alvin Gaze is 23-25 and 25 with one playoff loss. Let, yet we're looking to give up coveted draft picks that we need to rebuild this franchise for a guy who's essentially won what three more games than the guy we just canned to me that makes no sense you know I know Harper won a Super Bowl but that was six years ago you know he's I mean he's a good coach I just don't think he's worth giving up picks for and I just I do think and I, I totally take your point uh, would not surprise me if the Dolphins gave up the first round pick because we're just that stupid but we'll see. Yeah, I would throw up. I wouldn't trade any pick for John Harbaugh unless unless no, it was no like, would I. Uh, like and you got to protect and you got to like protect that twenty twenty pick as well. Yes. Yeah, now, now, if I'm Stephen Ross and you really and I really have it in my head that I really want John Harbaugh, 
okay, like you might get me to part with a pick outside of the top 100, maybe. And that's it. Cause I just wouldn't pay. I wouldn't pay a high pick for, for a coach. I just wouldn't do it. I, I don't have that much regard for third round picks. I, I don't, you know, I, I have more regard for second round picks clearly, mm-hmm. but I mean, I do have, I do have a nice, a high opinion of, uh, of John Harbaugh. I think that his teams are always very well coached and his staffs are always very well staffed. Yeah. And it's something that we've been missing in Miami for, it seems like a long time. And I would at least like that. I think that he's been dealing with a, I don't like Joe Flacco. I, I think that, that I'm not a fan. I think yeah. he's been dealing with a terrible quarterback that way. Um, and now they got, they got themselves a quarterback and, uh, and you could see the results when they got a new guy in there, they got some fresh, uh, fresh legs and, uh, and, you know, young guy in there and they got much better results. And yet, I still wonder if that was ultimately John Harbaugh's guy in that, in that draft, or if, um, you know, if he, if he wants to be saddled with, uh, with Lamar for the next 10 years remains to be seen, but, uh, but clearly they got results uh, with a new guy other than Joe Flacco. And so I I think that, um, you know, the worst thing would be John Harbaugh coming here and then Joe Flacco coming here too. And then it would be like, Oh, this is who John Harbaugh is. And that sucks. Um, but but if uh, if John Harbaugh were to come here without Joe Flacco, then I would have confidence that we're going to hire a good staff, that we're going to hire, you know, that we're going to we're going to have a well-coached team. Um, and if we can get the quarterback situation right, which Simon said this, and it's so true last week, it always comes down to that, right? Um, yeah. Then if we get that right then we're off and running and and that so and if that takes to me if that takes a second round pick even uh, i mean i i hate it or i'd not like it but you know what the what the hell it's you know second round picks fizz out all the time uh third round the dolphins certainly yeah yeah third round picks certainly fizz out all the time you know we shouldn't be you know clutching our pearls about about picks that have you know, maybe a 15% chance of any, of actually being anybody special. Um, so that's, that's what I, that's where I come from on that. Yeah. The way I look at it is like this. I think the quickest path to contention is having a really good pass defense and a running game. And I think we have the elements for both. And I think that the right coach to get us closer to that goal is Chris Richard. I've, I've, I've settled on that, on that guy ever since Vic Fangio, went to Denver and we lost complete interest on Vic Fangio. I thought Vic Fangio was the obvious, most competent candidate out there. But Definitely. obviously we had no interest whatsoever. I guess they didn't want an older guy. So I've settled on, and I don't think I'm settling. I think I'm, I'm actually shooting for. Like, I think Chris Richard is actually a very, very good candidate. Uh, I'm a big fan of very fine to me, but to me, Rashad is the the guy that I want. He is 100% the guy that I want. I think he was the, even over Fangio, frankly, um, just that young energy. And I just think if you're rebuilding a team, uh, you know, I'm not sure that a 60 year old guy was the, the was the way forward. That's just my personal look. I, I think mm-hmm. Rashad, is, you know, for me, it was the clear candidate just in terms of you know, hearing people talking about him, knowing what he does, knowing how he leads. Look, he tried to fight players the other day. I mean, I love that. I love that shit. And he, you saw, you know, I don't know if all of our listeners have seen it, but certainly it's well worth going to YouTube. And, you know, one of the local TV stations mic'd him up during um, 
during a portion of uh, training camp. I mean, I wanted to go out in the back garden and start, you know, punting, kicking and passing. I mean, it was just like, I'd run through the brick wall for him. <laughs> you know, just the way he interacted with the players and the fun that he was having, but the coaching, I mean, he was really, the, the way he was coaching, the things that he was seeing, his eyes, his, you know, I just, yeah, sign me up, sign me up. And I think that he might, because to me, managing a staff is is a really important part of uh, of coaching and, and I think that he, he has a he has a shot of being able to recognize sort of uh, recognize himself a little bit uh, in some of the, some of the hires that he makes and or at least maybe this is just hopeful wishful thinking but um, but I think that he could he could bring on a staff and and get them all you know really in lockstep because they're all going to resemble him in some ways mm. um, in in their attitudes and the way that they approach the players and stuff and and that. That would get me excited. Listen, you get Chris Richard uh, as as your head coach, and then go get somebody like uh, Todd Munkin as a offensive coordinator, and then get me Kyler Murray, and I'll be as happy about the the direction of yeah. this franchise as I've been since Nick Saban was hired in two thousand five. Mm-hmm. And I hate to admit that because it was obviously a, a <laughs> yeah. tragic ending, but but that was that was a really good moment for the franchise. Uh, when you can be really, when you can be really uh, optimistic about this franchise going forward, um, it certainly hasn't been since then that I've been that I would be that optimistic about the franchise. If you got those guys, should I tell you a so, guy that I think they will consider as a coach, even as an assistant defensive backs coach, and that will be Cam Chancellor. Would not surprise me that if he, he's keen to get into coaching. Uh, nicest guy ever. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. and I think um, I, I think he is one guy that he would target. Uh, Chris Cash is another guy, former player, mm-hmm. but I think um, I think Cam Chancellor would definitely be a guy that he would potentially look to bring over um, Love him. Uh, as a coach. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, imagine that you know coaching up Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, yeah. come on, yeah, where do we sign? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, on the way out, I want to ask you guys for two very simple things. What was the best hire? What was the worst hire? Obviously, going into this hiring period, the two sexiest jobs I would say would have been the Cleveland Browns job and the Packers job. Kitchen and LaFleur end up there. What was the best hire? What was the worst hire, Simon? Um, I, I think uh, – I probably think those two jobs. I think Kitchens is a – you know, I just think keeping him – given the relationship between he and Baker Mayfield. I saw Peter King's tweets earlier on about how, you know, Kitchens, even when everything was falling apart with Hugh Jackson, Kitchens never advocated for the job. He never talked the job up. He never, you know, and he was in Monday morning, whatever the equivalent of Monday morning quarterback is now four or five weeks ago saying, you know, I've never thought about another head coaching job. This is the job that I've got to do. And that's to make Baker better. I just think it's a sensible hire for Cleveland. And I think that's probably what Cleveland needed is a sensible hire. Um, and I, I find the Matt LaFleur thing interesting. I, you know, I don't think he's excelled particularly with Tennessee, but I do know, you know, a number of people who say that he is going to coach Aaron Rodgers hard. And that kind of feels like what Aaron Rodgers needs is some hard coaching. And you look at the, the Mike McCarthy system, guys never got open. Guys were never open in that mm. system. And I think, you know, scheming Devontae Adams free, scheming Randall Cobb, scheming Valdez Scandling and, and those guys, getting them open, it, it, because you've got arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, you know, 
come up with a system which gets guys open and Aaron Rodgers will, you know, will find them. I, I think Lafleur is a really, uh, I like the fact it was a slightly left field high. Everybody was talking about Josh McDaniels and Josh McDaniels. Well, you know, this is something that's come a little bit out of left field and, you know, I, I think that's quite interesting. And look, Bruce Arians is a great hire for Tampa. That's a great hire. That, that roster is loaded yeah. with really good players. You know, and I know he's 66, but, you know, by the time he's 70, I would not be surprised if Tampa were knocking on the door of winning Super Bowls, given the talent that's on that roster. If he can get, that, you know, Winston playing. The worst hire, I mean, it's easy. Yeah, I'm, I mean, Alan Gaze looks like... I, I think Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> is a... Yeah, I've still got this weird love for Adam Gaze. I think Cliff Kingsbury is an... I think he's a good, would be a great offensive coordinator in the NFL. I'm not sure he's a setup to be a great NFL head coach. That's a left field one for me. That's a bit too far left. All right, Chris, best and worst. Uh, you mentioned Tennessee with Matt Lafleur. Um, one thing about that offense, it had its limitations and its uh, downfalls, but it could it it got guys open. Um, so, you know that there there was there were receivers open all the time, and they should have had a very high completion percentage uh, based on based on that. Um, the best hire to me is Bruce Arians, I think. Uh, and that's, you know, just going, going with a quarterback head coach combination to have that kind of rapport already quarterback, um, you know, clearly has talent, has always had talent. Uh, and then you have an offensive, I mean, a true offensive genius, uh, not just, not a fake one. Yeah. Um, you know, that can, that can really make things work for him. And then he comes right in and just lightning quick. He's filling out that staff and he's got guys like Todd Bowles with him. And he's got, you know, and he's working with a GM that he's worked before and worked with before. And they've got talent there. I mean, that's just, there's so much about that that makes sense. It's going to, it's going to work very fast. They're going to turn it around pretty fast. I think anyway, um, the worst hire is Adam Gase. And, and it's because uh, it's because, it's too soon. It's too soon for him to, to go back to, to the job. Listen, he might, he might have gone back to a head co- coaching job and learned his lessons and, and done better than he did in Miami. He had strengths in Miami. We talked about them all the time. Um, but he had like serious weaknesses and by the end lacked the maturity and the mental strength to, uh, to reconcile with those weaknesses and get better. And um, and I just think it's too soon. I, uh, how do you how do you go? How do you have them go from from that to uh, to to going ahead and and tampering with your young Sam Darnold quarterback? I it, I, I don't know that it's going to work out. I think it's going to it has a, it stands a chance of being disastrous. Especially he's already bringing Dal Loggins with him. He's yeah. already playing the Facebook friend game. Um, you know, so hey, <laughs> you know, good luck to you. Uh, that's the worst hire to me. All right. The, my best hire, I think, is so obvious. It's Bruce Arians. It's such a good hire. He, he, he was obviously, I, in my opinion, probably the best candidate out there. But he had he had his set in his mind who he wanted, who he wanted mm. to coach, and it's Jameis Winston. I don't get that. He, he knows more about offense than I do. Let's just leave it at that. So that, <laughs> I think, is the best hire of this offseason. The worst hire, I'm not going to go easy here and say Adam Gase. I'm going to say this. The Tennessee Titans scored nine less points than the putrid Miami Dolphins offense. Their offensive coordinator is now being handed a Cadillac of a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, maybe the best of all time. I don't get that. I just do not get it. But maybe I'll be proven wrong. It just doesn't make any sense to me. For that, just hire Adam Gase. <laughs> like, like, really? 
you're hiring the guy who produced pretty much the same thing. So, you know, hopefully the next time we talk to our, talk to our listeners next week, we will be introducing a new Miami Dolphins head coach. In my opinion, it should be Chris Richard, but we shall see. All right. That's it. There is no more. Till then. Thanks for listening to three yards per caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes on Podbean or your usual podcast provider. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.